Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Recovery Talk. First of all, apologies for the slight delay in this episode. Uh, so some of you may know, I usually release episodes every Tuesday morning UK time, but I've been a bit behind on things just because I've been quite unwell. So anyways, guys, in this week's episode, I wanted to discuss something that I mentioned in last week's episode, and that is the budget thinking mindset around calories and more specifically i want to talk about how this may show up in recovery so some of you may be familiar with how it can show up during an eating disorder but i want to talk about the fact that in recovery even when someone is pursuing food freedom this can sometimes be a mindset that really can what can i say prevent full recovery and also this can sometimes be reinforced by treatment professionals. So first of all, let me start by explaining what on earth I'm actually talking about. What is the calorie budget mindset? And first of all, did I make it up? Yes, I am making up a lot of terms just because there aren't terms for things and I like making up terms. Uh, And funnily enough, I make up terms and then I see other people starting to using the terms and it kind of gets, (laughs) becomes a thing. So (laughs) yeah, creator of, of terms, that's me. Okay, so to be fair, I'm sure this term has been used many times in the context of diet culture, right? So calorie budget is often how, you know, I guess some calorie counting apps and spaces that, you know, promote that behavior will talk about it, where they essentially say that your calorie goal is a daily allowance, right? It is a budget you can't go over, right? In the same way that if someone is on a money budget, right? What I'm talking about is how this can apply in recovery. So first of all, let's just clarify a bit what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about the calorie budget mindset, I'm essentially talking about the mindset of viewing your calorie goal, your minimum calorie goal, emphasis on minimum, as a maximum. For example, you're someone who's in recovery and you've been given a calorie minimum of 3,000 calories, right? Maybe your dietitian has given you a meal plan of 3,000 calories, right? And if you have a decent dietitian and slash or treatment team, they will surely clarify that, hey, you know what? You are actually allowed to have more than this. You know, if you fancy something after your dinner that's not on your meal plan, that's fine, you know? Just make sure that you get that minimum of 3,000. Unfortunately, there are some treatment professionals who may not share that information or they may assume that because you have an eating disorder and you have anxiety for calories and food, there is absolutely no way that you ever want to go above it, right? So they don't, the act may be even puzzled if you even say, hey, what if I want more? Because they're just like, what do you mean you want more? Because they think that an eating disorder is about just about food avoidance, but it's actually a little bit, <laughs> it can be just as much about food seeking. I prefer not to demonize or disorderify, disorderify, diseaseify food seeking behavior. So anyways, the calorie budget mindset in the context of recovery, not in the context of, I guess, more diet culture, is essentially when your minimum has become a maximum in your head. Sometimes it may be slightly reinforced by treatment professionals who tell you, oh, eat 3000 and then kind of not really encourage you to go above or they may seem confused about the prospect of you going above or be like, oh, don't go too much above. You might get binge eating disorder or, you know, that bullshit, you know. But chances are, you know, deep inside that your, I guess, calorie goal, if you have one, 
because this applies more for those who've been given a specific calorie goal or have set themselves a calorie goal, that that is actually a minimum but not a maximum. But with an eating disorder, minimums often become maximums, except for movement. With movement, it's the opposite. Maximums become minimums. So if someone, for example, have been told by their team, hey, you, can, you can't exercise, but you can do maximum 30 minutes of walking a day, then that will become the minimum. You need to do exactly 30 minutes, right? Very common eating disorder mindset. But this calorie budget mindset, very interestingly, it's not necessarily consciously about restriction per se, because what I see a lot of times is that someone will have, let's say, use 3000 calories as an example. Someone has a meal plan of 3000 calories and then they will just be obsessing about getting just under, right? It's not necessarily that they're trying to like heavily restrict. It's more like, oh, 2950, right? Or 2999, like... It could just be just a little bit under. And the thought of literally eating maybe even like 10, 50, 100 calories above that 3000 number invokes extreme fear and anxiety. And the person rationally knows that eating 50 calories more or less is not going to make any changes in terms of like weight gain or anything like that. Like, come on, it's 50 calories plus minus, not really going to make a difference, right? but it is a mental block more than anything. And of course, subconsciously, the eating disorder may feel like if you go above that number, even if it's literally just eating 3,010 calories, there's gonna be drastic bodily changes overnight or you're gonna lose control somehow, right? Even though that's not the case. I think the calorie budget mindset is important to call out because I see a lot of people who go through recovery where they do eat quite a, a decent intake and that is amazing and so, so important. Refeeding is an essential part of recovery. You know that. That's always what I preach, right? So there could be someone who goes through recovery, eats a sufficient intake, but they never, ever, ever go above it, even if it's just 10 calories above it and they're still hyper-focusing on that number, right? Yes, you may refeed yourself, but you may not completely rewire yourself. So the point with a meal plan or even just with a calorie goal is not to be like, hey, this is a homework you need to do perfectly. This is how you exactly need to eat. That's not necessarily the goal of a meal plan, for example. The goal of a meal plan is to make sure you're getting enough and that you don't go long periods without eating essentially gives you some structure to make sure you're eating evenly throughout the day and it gives you an amount to make sure you're eating enough. It does not mean this is your maximum or it does not mean, oh, you can't eat until X o'clock. For example, if you have breakfast at 9 and then lunch at 12, that doesn't mean that you aren't allowed to have a snack before your lunch or even eat an earlier lunch or even have double breakfast if you want, just because it's not on your meal plan. The meal plan is literally meant as a tool to help your recovery. It is not meant as a tool where you are, you know, doing a homework and you have to do it perfectly. If anything, that perfectionism is just fueling the eating disorder. But equally, please don't take what I'm saying as a reason to restrict on the meal plan. Because this is another trap I see people fall into. They're on a meal plan, right? And then they're kind of like, oh, I hate it being so rigid. Why can't I just eat intuitively? And I've done an episode about intuitive eating and eating disorder recovery and why I think intuitive eating sometimes is better until more like after recovery, unless you have extreme hunger or a high appetite, because intuitive eating can sometimes become intuitive restriction. 
So yeah, basically, I sometimes hear people say, well, I'm on a meal plan, but uh, ugh, I don't like it. Why is it forcing me to eat every X hours uh, if I don't feel like it? That just sounds rigid and restrictive. Not restrictive, but that sounds rigid, right? Actually, you know what? You kind of have to do that, right? Because if your eating disorder is being allowed too much space and freedom, it might just try and convince you that you like to go long between meals and then it may convince you or you just like to eat less. So please don't take anything of what I'm saying as a reason to eat less than a meal plan. That is not what I am talking about. I am talking about the calorie budget mindset and essentially seeing the meal plan as a maximum instead of a minimum and seeing the timings on the meal plan as this is when you are allowed to eat and you're not allowed allowed to eat anything before this because you are allowed to eat as much as you want whenever you want you have unconditional permission to eat i'm gonna do an episode in the future about moving from meal plan to intuitive eating and when is the good time to do that what are some strategies to do that smoothly i will talk about that more in the future and also talk more about meal plans in general are they helpful are they harmful do they reinforce rigidity or perfectionism or can they actually be a helpful tool but overall what i'm saying and i'll say it again and i said it probably three four times already in this episode a meal plan is a tool meant to help you in your recovery if you notice that a meal plan is holding you back maybe you are very very ready to just go all in maybe you have extreme hunger and you just feel like oh this is just holding me back and actually restricting me in some ways then it's okay to drop the meal plan right of course if you are in a risk of refeeding syndrome or you know don't just do this without talking to a medical professional, just making sure that you're safe, right? But more about that later, and let's just go back again to the calorie budget mindset. So first of all, why does this happen? Because we know rationally that someone eating 50 calories less than their goal or 50 calories over, it's not going to make a big physical difference. So if it's not going to make a big physical difference, why do, why do I even care, right? And I think sometimes dietitians may completely overlook this because they're just kind of like, they know that it doesn't physically make a difference, plus minus those 50, 10 calories. But as a coach who work with more cognitive parts of an eating disorder and the mindsets and the behaviors and the rewiring aspects of it, I think it's very, very, very important to challenge this mindset. So first of all, why does it happen? I believe it happens because the eating disorder is so goddamn sneaky. So the eating disorder, first of all, it will try to just prevent you from recovering in the first place, right? But then when it realizes that, ah, oh, crap, I can't really completely prevent recovery here, it will instead try and sneak into your recovery, often in the disguise of just helping you. So it will kind of be like, fair enough, I can't completely ruin your life with this with my eating disorder, but I can come in and control your recovery and just create these silly little rules that give me some power still. And yes, sometimes these rules will actually create actual restriction, but other times these rules will just create some eating disorder comfort and safety. And it is the latter when it can get quite dangerous because then it's harder to call it out, right? If your eating disorder is making you outright restrict, then it can be a little bit easier to kind of call it out. But if it's just making you do silly things such as, oh, just make sure you get 2,990 calories, not 3,000, not 10 calories above 3,000, for example, that like it's more sneaky to it's not more difficult sometimes to even identify those behaviors because it doesn't necessarily create like an actual strong physical restriction right but with an eating disorder if you're constantly giving in to this sneaky 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 little things that it's doing then 
I mean, you're not going to be fully free. I always use the metaphor of a begging dog. You know, when a dog sits by the dinner table begging for food, if you give it once a little bit of food, it's going to sit by that dinner table and beg and beg for a long time. But if you just consistently ignore the dog, it's eventually going to give up, right? You're eating the sorters the same way. If you give it a little bit of power and influence here and there, it will keep trying to get that power and influence. If you're instead very strict with it and say, nope, you can try and convince me to do all of these things, but it's not going to happen, then eventually it actually lessens. So a lot of these behaviors, such as, oh, it's just staying a tiny, tiny bit under, right? A lot of these behaviors are safety behaviors. It's behaviors that in the moment when you're doing them, you feel some comfort, right? You feel comfort, you feel some release in the moment, right? And the problem is, of course, is that you are maybe experiencing comfort in the moment, but you're creating long-term anxiety, a better option would be to handle the discomfort of actually having a bit more than your meal plan, for example, and tolerating that anxiety. And then long-term, you would rewire that fear. Because try and think of it this way. Do you want to be the person that for the rest of your life, you view calories as some kind of budget and some kind of thing where you need to save, 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 have a scarcity mindset around calories? You are not on a budget anymore. Actually, you never were. You just convinced yourself that you were, right? You're never on a budget. I also sometimes think that people believe that if they go above, they're somehow just going to lose control, right? But <laughs> I mean, giving up control is actually part of recovery, right? You, you don't want to hold on so firmly to any kind of control that, that's there, right? That is an eating disorder. You need to let go. And I think this is where a lot of people are stuck is this stage in sometimes in like quasi recovery where, yeah, they have been eating a bit more. They may have weight restored if that's necessary. They may have, you know, had some positive effects of recovery and that's good and great. But they're still holding on to, you know, not going above a certain number, still rigidly following like, oh, I, I, if I eat breakfast and I'm hungry after breakfast, I can't have more until lunch. I can't have anything in between, right? Still holding on to these rules where the underlying message is that calories, you are on a budget, you need to save, you need to be careful here. Another way I sometimes see this calorie budget mindset show up is people will save up calories for night. And if you haven't listened to it already, I did an episode about that last week, about night eating and saving up calories for night. So I'm not going to go too much in depth about that in this episode because I covered that in that past episode already. The thing with the calorie budget mindset is that you can't really think your way out of it. You need to act your way out of it. I mean, that goes with a lot of things in recovery, right? You can't just try to convince yourself like, oh yeah, I'm not on a budget. Okay. You actually need to make the opposite actions and it's going to feel quite wrong in the story. What I recommend is deliberately make yourself go over, not just once, but consistently. So if you have a 3000 calorie meal plan, add something onto it so that you go above. And also remember a meal plan, it's not supposed to be exact math, right? You don't have to micromanage every single calorie. If you have a meal plan that says one slice of bread or a tablespoon of this and that, that is sufficient. You don't need to weigh and control and measure everything. And this is another example where the eating disorder often will try and like jump into recovery and be like, oh yeah, no, 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 we are, we need to weigh everything to make sure we're getting enough. But realistically speaking, you know that there is, you can essentially get enough without doing that. Because if you were to prepare the food on your meal plan for someone else, would you have restricted it? So essentially you need to accept discomfort. You need to sit in the discomfort. 
you also need to be very very mindful that you know being more flexible in terms of food does not mean flexibility to restrict because it's the trap people fall into oh i'm not measuring my food anymore and then taking deliberately taking smaller portion always undercutting it right but also it's it's interesting because i sometimes see people uh, who they're, they're eating disorder will tell them we need to weigh every food to make sure you get enough right but then the same people will often say that they always undercut when they weigh so for example if their eating disorder says no their meal plan says oh you need 100 grams of this then they might take 98 grams right so they can still they hold on to the behavior even with the weighing and then they will convince themselves oh you know what it's not exact math 98 gram that's almost 100 who cares you know and that's true but equally if you ask the same person okay well can you take 102 grams then then they start freaking out by that prospect right <laughs> and then that's when you see that it's not really recovery motivated at all i would argue also that uh, the calorie budget mindset is actually a form of mental restriction Sometimes it can translate to physical restriction, right? So let's say you have a meal plan and then you know that you actually need more than your meal plan or you have extreme hunger and you're just avoiding giving into it, right? Because giving into extreme hunger would mean going above this magical number that you've deemed a maximum in your head. But let's also talk a bit about how, you know, it is a mental form of mental restriction, right? It is a form of still saying that food is something you need to be wary around, you need to control, you need to manage, you need to like, again, it's, it's, it's a scarce resource, right? And whenever something is a scarce resource, it becomes way more enticing and exciting. This is why you can see someone who is heavily mentally restricting, they may have you know, binge cycles as well, even though they're not necessarily physically restricting that much, they have like mental restriction and mental mindsets and rules around recovery, not around food. For example, they have a budget throughout the week, but then in the weekends, they lessen the budget, right? Or they throw away the budget just in the weekends, right? But the budget should be thrown away every single day. And I understand that it can be a little bit like stuck in you, you know? Try and think of it this way. Someone is very, very poor and they have to very very rigidly budget out their money to be able to afford basic things right it's a necessary temporary tool at the time but then that person wins a bunch of money in the lottery and suddenly they're very rich they may still notice that they have urges to save and to budget right just because they're they're still recovering from that past trauma of being very very poor and i think the calorie budget mindset in recovery is a little bit similar you're still kind of recovering from having had that way of thinking but again, you never really needed to budget in the first place, right? You were never poor. Food was never a scarce resource. I mean, of course, I understand that there are people who food are a scarce resource for, people who are poor, people who have to budget in terms of food. I understand that food insecurity is absolutely real. And I also know that with food insecurity, that can have implications of your relationship to food later in life. So please don't think that this is me dismissing people who experience genuine, genuine poverty, genuine food insecurity, and not knowing where their next meal may come from. What I'm talking about is something very different. Again, I'm talking about the calorie budget mindset where actually you have an abundance of access to food, right? Food is in abundance, but you still find a way to kind of restrict yourself and the minimums become maximums figuring out if this applies to you is pretty easy you know you just see well does it freak me out to eat more than my i guess quote-unquote goal right does it well if it does you should probably do it and if it doesn't you should still do it because why not and it's so interesting because very often it's not necessarily strong strong restriction above that number because people with eating disorders love food and they often want to get as much as possible out of their food right so this is why it's like 
I often see not necessarily like heavy restriction. It's more like light, tiny little things, but they still want to get as much as possible out of their food, right? So that's why you can see things such as just staying literally like two calories under the number, right? It's just that kind of thing. I would recommend, again, if you have a meal plan, unless different agreements has been made with your team, you probably don't need to micromanage and count everything. If your plan is already kind of prescribing you an amount and you know that you're not going to restrict on that amount, then you probably don't need to micromanage and weigh it. And if you do have to, you know, do a bit of measuring, you know, just make sure you're getting enough. I would say measuring in terms of like tablespoon or deciliter is a lot better than measuring with grams on the scale. But equally, if you know that you are getting enough without measuring, then there's no need to measure, you know? If you're having high hunger or extreme hunger and you know that you are definitely getting enough, why would you need to measure and count that, right? Again, measuring and counting is the way I see it should only be used as a tool to make sure you're getting enough, not as a tool to make sure you're not getting quote unquote too much because there is no such thing. Okay, guys, now I'm going to take a listener question. And the person is asking, how do I deal with, with recovery feeling like a failure? And how can I make recovery feel like an accomplishment instead? I think this is a good question because this is such a common one, right? So you're entering recovery and you are essentially doing something that takes a lot of power, right? And people around you may applaud you and be like, oh, you're doing so well, good job, blah, blah, blah. But then still you feel like a failure because your eating disorders like, well, look at you, huh? Can't restrict anymore. Hmm, you're failing. And sometimes people may have the same opposing feelings at the same time. Like they can be kind of proud of themselves for taking steps towards recovery and pushing through. At the same time, feel extreme shame for actually, you know, eating more, maybe putting on weight, being more flexible, etc., etc. So you can also feel the two very opposing emotions at once. That's also common. And you know what? I have to be completely honest with you. Recovery is gonna feel wrong for some time. You know, it's gonna feel wrong until it feels right. And instead of working on making recovery randomly feel right, you instead should work more on tolerating the discomfort and tolerating that, yeah, this feels wrong, but I know that it is right. Maybe identify the two different sides of you, right? You have the eating disorder side of you, and then you have like the healthy mindset side of you. Which one is it that makes recovery feel like a failure? And which one is it that sees recovery as the steps you need to take? Chances are it's the eating disorder that sees recovery as a failure and then it is the healthy you that knows recovery is the steps you need to take, right? And for every step you are taking that pisses off the eating disorder and makes the healthy you realize that, yeah, you are doing something good right now. Every single step you're taking, even though you feel guilty and awful and ashamed and whatsoever, every step you're taking towards recovery strengthens that part of you and shrinks the eating disorder part of you. It may get worse before better. The eating disorder may scream extra loud when you're challenging it. But with time and repeated action, you'll notice that the guilt eases. And I know this can be a little bit frustrating because we just want bad emotions to go away, don't we? We want them to go away now. And sometimes the best way for 
bad emotions to go away is to tolerate sitting in them for some time and understanding that if you sit in them now, they will weaken with time. But essentially what this means is swapping instant relief for long-term relief. Try and think of it this way. When you have a cold or a flu, you don't desperately try and make it go away. I mean, maybe you do, but most of the time you kind of just accept, ah, damn it, I have the flu, better just ride this one out, you know, and it will go away, right? That is more helpful rather than, oh God, I need to fix this. I need to get rid of it right now because you know that you can't. So instead you just accept discomfort and you know that if you just tolerate it, it will eventually get better. Recovery is the same thing, right? Recovery is about tolerating discomfort in the moment for short, for long-term benefits, basically. So short-term discomfort for long-term relief. Of course, there are things you can do to make recovery feel better in the moment. You know, you can be a little bit mindful of when do you feel worst about your recovery? What are your triggers, right? Maybe if you are, maybe you find that scrolling Instagram makes your eating disorder scream out loud because you have a lot of diet culture content that you're following. Of course, you can, you can, mim- you can limit those kind of things, right? But at the end of the day, even if you are in a perfect bubble protected from everything triggering, you're still going to feel like recovery is the wrong choice. But that doesn't mean that it is because actually your eating disorder, feeling like something is wrong is a good indicator that it is something right. I hope that was at least maybe a little bit helpful in terms of shifting your mindset. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode and I look forward to seeing you next week. And yeah, have a lovely week ahead and happy belated Halloween for those of you who celebrate that. I have not celebrated that at all, but I know that now the Halloween candies are probably going to be on like half price. So I'm definitely going to stock up some chocolate. (laughs) So yeah, see you guys next week and have a lovely day and week ahead.